What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Lindsay Allman on today's episode today. I am so excited, Lindsay. I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Thanks, Shelly. Okay, so I met my husband in 2015 on on, uh, Tinder, actually. Um, It's always like the topic of conversation because everybody thinks it's just so funny. Um, And we... We didn't hit it off right away. He was, he's got a very um, crude sense of humor and he said some stuff that I was like, nah, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> I gave him, you know, I gave him another chance. And um, since then we have been, you know, inseparable ever since. Um, we moved in after six months. So it's kind of quick for me, but in my head, I was like, I know that this is going to be my person. And we went with it. Um, and then we got engaged November 18th of 2017. Um, so it was one day before my 28th birthday, he had a whole, brought my family in for dinner and all my close friends and proposed randomly in the middle of dinner. So it was super, super exciting. Um, and then we had a pretty long engagement. We got married December 6th of 2018. So we're almost at the year mark. So we wanted to take some time uh, before we started trying because he wanted to enjoy being married. And not that I did, but I also, um, I was on an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety medication plus my birth control. And plus I actually suffer from chronic migraines. And I was on a super high dose medication that is fatal if you take it while pregnant. So I wanted to take some time. I think we took about three months and before we started trying for me to take my medication, clean out my system. And I think I thought that that, you know, that was, that was all out. So we started trying in June of this year. And I don't know if you ever went through this when you were trying after any of your losses, but you get these, I actually looked it up. It's called, they're called invisible, invisible pregnancy symptoms. You almost, you almost like trick your body into thinking that you're pregnant. So when we first started trying, I've always been a perfectionist and I knew in my head, I was like, I'm pregnant. I know that I'm pregnant. I have all of these symptoms. Well, I got my period. And to me, that immediately felt like I'm a failure. I can't, you know, I can't do this. There's just something wrong with me. But it was just uh, the app I was using. We were really off on my ovulation dates. We weren't even testing. And I learned not to use that app for that reason. So (laughs) we. I kind of had to go through emotions of not, you know, not having 
not being pregnant and starting my period. And that was hard for me. I don't know why it was just very, very hard on my mental state. And then we decided for the next month, I was going to go all in the um, ovulation kit, the strips. We even got that pre-seed, which I highly recommend now. Um, and we actually got pregnant the following month in July. And um, I had actually gotten vertigo really bad right at the very early stages of when I was pregnant. And my symptoms were heightened so much. I was so sick. But the doctor was like, oh, it's because you're vertigo. You're not pregnant. But we're not even going to do a pee test because you said you're not pregnant. I mean, why would you take would you take me for that? You could have just tested, but so on, it was August 18th. I was already five days late. And I had told myself once I'm five days late, I'll test. I didn't test before. I didn't, I didn't do anything. Um, and it was a Sunday morning and I woke up and I snuck into the, to the guest bathroom and I took six pregnancy tests, I think. I had the strips, those cheapy strips, and then I had the regular ones. And I was super excited. I had called a friend at the that I was friends with at the time, and I was just so excited. I was crying, and I don't think that I could believe that my body was healthy enough for that. Like, I wouldn't let myself believe that until now. So my husband's a really big um, coffee drinker. So I made him coffee and mind you, this was at 7am. So he was still like very much asleep and I made him coffee and I put the test on a napkin and I put the napkin on top of the cup because I just couldn't keep that a secret any longer. I was way, there's no way I could have kept that from him. And I went in the master and put it on the, on the end table and I woke him up. And he said, what are those? And I was like, well, what do you think they are? And he said, are they, are they ovulation tests? Can we start to get it on again? And I was like, no, not this morning. And no, those are not ovulation tests. And he said, oh, okay, so you're pregnant? And I said, yes, we're pregnant. And he goes, okay, cool. And then went back to sleep. <laughs> so I was, I was not... I was not happy, but I wasn't taking into consideration how early it was. And on Sundays is like our rest day and kind of recoup day. So I went back in the living room and I kind of sat there and I pouted and he came out like 30 minutes later and he grabbed me, like forced me up and just hugged me and just sobbed with me. And he was like, we're having a baby. And it was a really exciting time for us. He's he's just such a great guy that I knew, you know, like from the minute I met him, I was like, you're going to be a great father. You're going to be a great husband. And never at that moment did I think anything would go wrong, like nothing. So at that time I was five weeks. So I think I was like four, four weeks in a few days, I think. So I called the doctor that following Monday like, you know, like every excited person does and made the appointment. And I didn't know that you, they waited so long, but they, they were like, well, we don't see patients until they're at least nine to 10 weeks, just 
because we want to make sure that we can see a heartbeat and not get your hopes up, not make you, you know, too disappointed if you come in too early. So my appointment, our first appointment was nine, September 18th. And that would be putting me right at like eight weeks, seven days, so nine weeks. Um, and I knew, and that had been, that four weeks was the longest four weeks of my life. In between that, um, my mom had mentioned, you know, maybe you should go just get a blood test. Not that I don't believe your pee strips, but like, just to confirm you are super early, just to make sure. So we're not jumping the gun. So I went straight to my primary and I got a blood test and they did my HCG, which I had no understanding of that, that, you know, back then. And so it measured me at five to six weeks and my, my HCG was 1638, which I thought by Googling was great, but, um, Dr. Google sucks. So I've learned to stay away. Um, and so I was confirmed. I was super excited. We had no doubt in our mind. Um, I had very little symptoms my whole pregnancy. I had some nausea, some bloating, but nothing to be, I don't know. It was just weird. I didn't have a lot of the symptoms that everybody else had. And I know everybody's different. Everybody, every pregnancy is different, but I was so focused on comparing myself to other people around me that were pregnant that I got so discouraged when like one day my boobs weren't sore or one day I wasn't nauseous or I had a weird symptom. My scalp was very sensitive. I was so tender headed for a week and I thought I was going to die, but that was the only weird symptom that I had. I had cravings. I had food aversions. Um, but it wasn't like everybody else's. I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't, um, I was very bloated. Yes. But other than that, I didn't have anything. And that started to, I don't know, I had this thought in my brain and my anxiety and I have some OCD along with that. So I was so detail oriented and focused on me not having all of these symptoms. So that obviously gave myself automatic anxiety. I have fears of miscarriage from day one, even when I didn't know what it was. Um, I am on an app and you do like the community boards, which I now stay away from them. But there was a post about how was your first ultrasound or your first appointment? I think every person that commented said that, that that their appointment was terrible, that they measured really early, that the doctor automatically said a miscarriage or a missed miscarriage. And so in my head, I'm like, mm, that's going to be me. Nope, it's going to be me. Because my mom and I have this saying where if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. I just have had, have had weird things happen to me in my life. Um, just weird illnesses weird interactions and it always happens to me it's just, it's I don't know why I've always been that way so it happened to be a few days before my appointment I had read a post on that app that she talked about a missed miscarriage and I don't know why but that stuck with me and I started looking into it 
and I was textbook for it. No symptoms or very little symptoms, um, very little growth stomach wise. Cause I hadn't gone to my appointment yet. And so I knew in my head, I was like, I think I just, I feel like this is happening. Like I have a gut, you have that gut feeling. The minute you become pregnant, you become a mom and you get these motherly instincts. And I had that, that motherly instinct from day one. So I stupidly downloaded this heart rate app that is now a joke. And I thought what I was hearing was the baby's heartbeat. And after I looked into it, it's actually a scam and it focuses on your own heartbeat and then your blood pumping. So I think we would have been, it was like eight weeks. And I thought that I was hearing my own baby's heartbeat. I even had Alex listen to it. He was so, God, he was so excited. And then now obviously it's not, it's not a thing. So we went into our first appointment on the 18th and I was very nervous. I could not contain my nerves. I was using oils to try to calm me down because obviously I couldn't take anything, but nothing, you know, nothing was helping. So we waited in the waiting room and then we finally got called back. She asked me to empty my bladder and I laid on the table and I had to put my feet in those stupid ass stirrups that I hate. They make me so uncomfortable. Um, she gelled up the wand and she went to town. I'm telling you, I was so uncomfortable with that wand. She was just like very aggressive with it. Um, I immediately knew something was off. She, I've watched plenty of shows and seen plenty of ultrasounds, like not in person, obviously, but I also do have four nephews. So like, I know the protocol. She kept avoiding anything with my uterus. She would bypass it. She would go to my, my ovaries, measure those, tell me I had a fibroid. <laughs> and then she'd go to the other one and measure that one. And then she would slowly go back to the uterus. And we saw the baby. It was very small and it was like almost two little blobs and they were the baby was at the very bottom almost like it was stuck that's how I took it it just didn't move it was just there and she said and she she looked at me with this weird look and she said how far along did you say you were and in my head I was like you can't ask those types of questions you can't say anything you can't tell me anything and I told her that I, I should be eight weeks and seven days today. And she was like, hmm, okay. And then she stayed completely silent the rest of the time. And she said, well, your sack is measuring seven weeks in one day in the pregnancy. They never called it a fetus or a baby. They called it a pregnancy this whole time. The pregnancy was measuring six weeks in one day. And I can't find the heartbeat yet. And I said, okay. And I proceeded to ask if that was okay or what's happening. And she, she said, well, we're not sure. We'll, you know, the doctor will talk to you. And after listening to all of your podcasts, I've come to know that that's never a good thing ever. Just not, just not a good thing. Um, so she told me to go dress and sit in the waiting room. And I knew right in that moment that something was just really wrong. Um, my doctor's office houses, I think, eight 
OBs. So they're very, very, very busy. We sat in the waiting for over, for over 30 minutes. And of course I got on Google, Googled how far along I was supposed to be, how far along I measured and nothing came back good. Uh, we finally went back to the room and my OB, which I adore her, uh, she took forever to come in. And when she did come in, she asked if I was sure about my last period, which I was. I'm After I got off birth control, I was very good about putting everything in my app and keeping track of everything. That's just, I'm a very organized person. So she told me that there was two things that could potentially happen. One, that I was just measuring smaller because my dates were wrong. But that was almost three weeks off. So that just wasn't a possibility for me. Or two, that I would miscarry. And this is when missed miscarriage came into play. She said that a missed miscarriage was what she leaned towards because there was no heartbeat and that my dates were so specific. She said that she was going to draw blood Look at your H, look at my HCG. And then I'll have to come back in a week, which would have been September 25th for a follow-up, another ultrasound, more blood. And so they took my blood and I just sobbed on the table. My husband was holding my hand and I think he knew that I knew something was wrong. So we left and I took the following day off of work because my mental state was just not where it was not in a healthy place for me to go to work, be focused, be functional. I stayed home and kind of recouped. I went in that Friday and it was still, I was very emotional and I got the call from the doctor around three that day. And the nurse that had told me said, Oh, your, your levels are, normal. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? What's, what's my HCG? And she said, it's 35,000. And I said, okay, so does that mean that like, we're good? Everything's fine. She said, yes, the baby's fine. You're healthy. The baby's healthy. Everything's great. There's nothing to worry about. And we'll see you next week. So we kind of took the weekend because I still had a, I had doubt. We took the weekend and kind of hung out with each other and kind of just embraced that everything was supposedly fine. Um, we go in for our appointment on the 25th of September. And at that point I would have been 10 weeks. And I think I was more nervous that day than I was for our initial appointment because I knew, I don't know. I just knew that this wasn't a viable pregnancy. I had that horrible gut feeling. And I kind of, I almost set myself up for failure so that when something positive does happen, I can be pleasantly surprised. And that's, I've always been that way my entire life. So we went back and went to the ultrasound room and she did what she needed to do. I emptied my bladder and she jumped up the wand and went in and she kept avoiding my uterus again, immediately. And we saw a flicker of the baby on the screen and then she would move it. She kept telling me that she was letting my uterus settle, which I've never heard that before. Um, she measured my ovaries again, found very odd because she did that before. I didn't know that they grew all the time. Um, 
And so she went to the uterus finally, looked around for a while, and we saw the baby. But this time the baby was at the top, almost like it had floated up there. Like, and I, this is so terrible, but it was almost like when our fish died, he got super sick and he laid at the bottom for a few weeks. And then when he died, he floated to the bottom or floated to the top. I kind of compared it to that because that's what it looked like. The baby was first at the bottom and then now it's at the top. And it just was the weirdest. It was just a very surreal moment for us. She told us that my sack had grown to eight weeks one day and the pregnancy remained at six weeks one day and that she was so sorry, but there was no heartbeat. She told me to dress very quickly, told me to dress, go sit in the waiting room. And we did. And I just silently just sobbed in the chair while my husband, Alex, just held my hand because he knew as well what we knew. Um, so we got called back and I waited for the OB to come in and she told me exactly what I already knew that we had lost our baby. Um, the baby, she said the baby stopped growing at six weeks. So it was about a week and a half after we found out we, the baby's heartbeat stopped. I'm thankful now that we never heard the heartbeat because I think if we would have, and then come back and it wasn't there, it would have made us way worse off. Um, she said that my body had no idea what was going on and that there was no, there was not a healthy pregnancy there. And that's why we had done, a, we had had a missed miscarriage. She told me, you know, the same thing. You can let it pass naturally. You can take the side attack or have a DNC. She did not recommend the DNC for me. And she said she doesn't for most of her patients because she is always concerned about scar tissue buildup and she wants us to be able to have a healthy way of getting pregnant the next time and not have any complications. So we opted to do the side attack because I wanted. In my head, I thought, okay, this baby is no longer here. I need to grieve that, and I need to grieve that now. So we did it the following day and I, because I wanted to move forward. Um, my body just was not ready to let go of the baby, and we had to intervene. So I went in the following day, and she place the medication up there and it was just it was weird it was almost like okay this is this is the final moment my baby's going to be gone and we're not going to be able to see it anymore so she told me that I would have some cramping some bleeding but nothing insane um the the pain I was not ready for I got it around 5 p.m. and around 9, the cramps started and they were, they were tolerable. They were like period cramps and then, and then they just got worse. I have never felt that pain in my life. Sorry, I had to take a drink of my tea. Um, and it was, it was like, I think you have, have you taken the side attack before? 
No, I didn't. Okay. Well, so you, I mean, you essentially you labor, you go into, you have the contractions and it's the most insane pain I've ever felt in my life. Um, my husband pet sits on the side of his, his normal vet tech life. And so he was actually at an overnight client for a week during that time. Terrible timing. There was nothing he could do about it. But my sweet little mom was like, you're not staying home by yourself. So she stayed with me when I went through that because, you know, she thought, I mean, if something went wrong or I started bleeding a lot, she wanted to be able to be there to take me to the hospital. So I had woken up about 1 a.m. that morning and, you know, everybody talks about that, like that gush that gush was the most insane feeling I've ever felt in my life. I immediately started passing very large clots and I was soaking a pad every hour and I was finally able to get some sleep and I woke up that next morning and I was still bleeding very heavy the majority of the day, but it was manageable around the evening time. I had just used the restroom and then I had a sudden urge to go pee And I went to the bathroom and my husband always says, I pee like a racehorse. Like I pee very hard and, and very powerful. And my husband always says that about me too. So weird. (laughs) He calls me sea biscuit when I go to the bathroom, like you're psycho. So I go to the bathroom and I, and I pee and I peed so hard and I felt this, it was like an egg like a hard boiled egg. It felt like that slippery and it just came out. And I looked in the toilet and it had, it was the sack. It was where the baby was. And I was home by myself when this happened. And the feeling of like watching your, your unborn child leave your body was probably one of the most traumatic times and things that I've ever gone through. I've never, I've obviously never seen that happen before, felt it. So it was all new to me. So I kind of sat there and I'm not a religious person. Um, I am, I'm a Christian, but I don't, you know, I don't go to church. I don't pray a lot. It's just not something that I've ever done in that moment. I don't know why, but it, I was like, I have to say something. So I said a little prayer and I flushed the toilet and I, I now, wish that in an odd way that I was able to maybe see something but then I'm kind of glad that I didn't the more that I don't see the more that I don't experience I am almost protecting my heart I'm protecting myself and after that I went to my mom's because I just I couldn't be alone and I cried. I just cried and sobbed all night with her because I, I couldn't realize that. And I couldn't come to terms with it. We had just lost our child that I thought I was super healthy and, you know, all things like that. So the following days were, they were all right. I had been out of work the rest of that week and I was managing the pain and the bleeding. Come this Sunday, after we had initially taken the medication, I woke up with 
severe cramping again, super heavy bleeding, not understanding. I thought, okay, I'd pass everything. Why am I bleeding again? And I then passed what I now know was the uterine lining because apparently we were so early, even at 10 weeks that the placenta hadn't formed. So I thought that that's what it was, but my doctor said, no, it was your uterine lining and everything like that. So after we had actually passed everything, um, we had to tell our family, my mom and my dad had already known at that point, but those were the only people that knew. So we had to go through telling his parents, his siblings, my sibling, and that was hard. It was almost like we relived everything all over again. You know, we had to explain to them what had happened. We didn't have, I mean, we didn't have a why, of course, but having to kind of talk about it again, and it was still so fresh, and it is still so fresh for me. It's only been four weeks. Um, just having to, to tell people one piece of great news and then have to turn around and be like, yeah, just kidding. This is not anything anymore. So that was something we had to kind of regroup on because we were, him and I were very emotional. He was taking it really hard. And of course I was as well. Um, I had gone back to work after being off for about a week and I had my follow-up and I had to go in that room where they last told me that I, you know, we didn't have a viable pregnancy. And having to go in for a follow-up after you have passed your baby and have to go into an ultrasound, that's traumatic um, because you had just gone and you had seen the baby on the screen and then now you have an empty, your, your, your stomach is empty. There's nothing there and it's gone. It's, it was very hard for me to grasp that I was pregnant when I came in. Now I'm not. And I just, I couldn't mentally grasp it. And so there was some tissue left. I had to take the medicine again, which thankfully the pain and the bleeding were, wasn't that bad. And I think I bled for seven to 10 days after. And then it finally stopped. Um, at where we would have been 13 weeks, we were obviously going to announce because we would have been in the second trimester. I decided that for my healing and my mental state that I wanted to speak about what had happened. And I made, it took me weeks to write what I wrote and the photo that I took. And I finally posted it and the amount of love and support that we got from people that I didn't even think gave a shit about us, more so me. I'm very hard on myself. And I felt like no one's going to care. No one's going to care that we lost something. And the amount of support that we received was so much it was almost overwhelming because I didn't know that people could care about us that much that people could relate 
there was so many friends that I've had that experienced a miscarriage and never spoke about it. And I hate, I hate it so much that it's not spoken about because talking about it has been so healing for me every time I tell our story or when I write about it, I have a journal that I started journaling. And every time I do that, every day I come out stronger because I know that this baby was meant for something bigger and that that's okay. I've come to terms with that. And I just know that we have, you know, our little, our little angel babe in heaven. And it's just been hard. Um, It's, it's only been four weeks for us. And I have my days, um, being around my friends last night was hard because, you know, they were all reaching out and just, you know, making sure that I'm okay. I had some really, I had some really dark days where I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't want to go about life anymore because I didn't feel like I was worthy. I didn't feel like I deserved this life anymore. Um, But my, you know, after talking to my husband, he, he, he pulled me through something that I didn't think that I could get through. Um, I have become so much stronger than I was four weeks ago because I, I realized that I can do this. I can go through something so traumatic and have love and support for the people that were around us and that I can still come through and be strong. And when I talked to my doctor about, you know, she always asked about my mental state and I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. And she said, you know, you can get back on your medication if you want. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to numb myself again. I need to feel these feelings and I need to get it out. Um, I do go to therapy. I've gone to therapy for the last six months for other reasons. And I happened to have an appointment that week after we miscarried. And I love therapy. I am all about getting your mental state back you know, and I just know that I have to push through and I know that there's so many people who love us and that they're rooting for us and that I had somebody last night, one of my really close friends tell me, and she was a bridesmaid. She told me, you know, I've known from day one that you guys are meant to be parents. And this just wasn't, this wasn't the time. And I absolutely adore when people say that to us that we were meant to be, you know, they feel like we're meant to be parents because that just shows how much love we have around us that I did not think that we could. Um, so right now we, we do want to try again. I feel that I'm ready, but we also move in like a month 
and I don't want to have any added stress of trying plus waiting and making sure that there's, you know, everything's healthy. So we've decided that we want to wait until after we're settled and after our move to start trying again. Um, but we've both agreed that when we do get pregnant, again, we're only going to tell just parents, no, no siblings, no friends, no colleagues, just our parents, because we're, I mean, obviously we're going to have that lingering anxiety and that lingering fear of, of a loss. So we want to avoid anything like that. So right now we're okay. We're pushing through and we have each other and we have everybody around us. Your podcast as I can't tell you how helpful it's been for me just to know that like, I'm not alone. Um, and I'm so thankful that I found your podcast. I just had searched it on, on Google and ran across it. And then ever since then, I just, I wait, I can't wait for episodes to come out and I listen to them the minute they come out. And I'm just, I want to thank you for doing this for, you know, us because yeah. Well, I'm so happy that it found you. Yeah. And I just, I'm glad that I can, it is, it's a crazy journey Mm -hmm. that we all have to go on. Unfortunately, most of us, almost all women, I feel like have gone on this journey. They just don't talk about it. Yep. I agree. So, yeah. So that's my story. (laughs) Now, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? I talked about this with my friend Tierney that you actually yeah, have come across as well. <laughs> I know I'm so excited. Um, never let anybody make you feel guilty for grieving. Um, take all the time that you need. Feel how you want to feel. And if anybody has issues with that, then they're not meant to be in your life. Mm-hmm. I have come to learn you know who my true friends are and who my who my tribe is and I'm okay with my little group but I have been made to feel very guilty for grieving and I don't need those kind of people in my life so I've removed them mm-hmm. so that's my that's my advice yeah it really makes you when you go through something like this it really makes you realize like who your friends are Yes. And Uh, I'm thankful for that because I was able to get rid of some toxic stuff in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to reach out, is Instagram the best way? Yes. Uh, I think I just changed mine. So hold hold on. I think it's, it's Lindsay and it's spelled weird. So it's L-I-N-Z-E-Y underscore A. And I'm private, but if you send me a message or request, I will more than likely accept you. Awesome. And as always, I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for popping on and sharing your story, especially how fresh it is. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yes. We'll chat soon. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally 
thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.